0: is a little bit as the, the people begin to reject Jesus so just as a little bit of a reminder last week Juan preached for us as Jesus is speaking with some of the religious leaders at this festival and we pick up this week as Jesus continues his conversation with them and so our, our text for today begins with him telling this parable and so we're going to get into it for today as we just read, our text begins with the parable of the wedding feast, okay? And so at the beginning here, we're introduced to this king. Uh, the king has a son, and, and so he invites a bunch of people to celebrate. All these people are invited to, to come and celebrate at this wedding feast. What happens, though? No one shows up, right? Um, when, when Melissa and I were first dating, I remember it was around the time of my birthday, I was hoping to celebrate with some of my friends, and so I messaged uh, a number of different people, and we were all going to hang out a Friday night and, and just hang out at uh, a restaurant in, in the city. And the, so the plan was, we're all going to gather, we're going to meet up, um, hang out, eat dinner, and there was like a pool uh, table at this restaurant, so we are going to play some pool. And yeah, just have a, a good time celebrating together. I was super excited, but what happened was this, as I started to invite people, um, I had a lot of people say that they were busy, right? Most people that I invited, they ended up, it, it was like, we can't come, right? And uh, a few people ended up coming, but a lot of those, the, 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 the few people that did come, um, they ended up, they had to leave early. So really the, the party was over by like 8 p.m. I was like hoping to like celebrate with everyone like all evening and it was like, okay, Everyone's gone now. It's 8 o'clock. I guess I'll go home and, and whatever. So again, that, yeah, everything was over by like 8, and it was a little bit disappointing, right? I was expecting to, to celebrate with these people, and what it seemed like was that my friends, uh, they didn't really care to show up and celebrate with me. And so while I was expecting this, this really, really nice gathering, all my friends in one place eating and celebrating, I was really let down when not many people showed up. Now before you're like, oh, poor Graham. He didn't get to celebrate on his birthday. I found out the reason why was the next day, Melissa had apparently planned a surprise birthday for me. And so everyone was like, we're going to that. We cannot come to two birthday parties for you, Graham. That's ridiculous. So there was a good reason why people didn't show up. My friends still loved me. It was a good, it was a good uh, end of the story. But I think you get the idea here, right? How, how discouraging would it be if you were expecting to to celebrate with people and no one showed up. So the people in this story, they reject the king's invitation. And what it shows is that they didn't really care about him. They're unloyal. They're, they're not interested in celebrating with the king. So I want us to look a, a little bit deeper at what's going on here. We look at our text, we see two ways in which the people reject Jesus. Jesus. Two ways in which the people reject Jesus. First, we see that some people will reject him out of indifference. Some people will reject Jesus out of indifference. The king, he he calls out to the guests to come and and join in on the celebration. It says, but they would not come. And again, he sends out his servants a second time saying, hey, come to the wedding feast. Come celebrate. What does it say? Verse 5, it says, but they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business. And so what we see is that these people, they don't care really at all about this feast. They would rather carry on with life as usual. They're more concerned about not interrupting their routine. They're, they would rather even work than celebrate the king and his son. And so they reject Jesus out of indifference I want to ask you here today, what is your response to the invitation by the king? God invites you to come to him. He's inviting you to be a part of a wedding celebration. The, the, the most common picture in the Bible of heaven is a picture of a wedding feast. It's a picture of the son Jesus and, and his wedding as he takes his bride, the church, and they become one. It's a picture of a broken people redeemed and reunited with their God, and it's a celebration of what a loving God has done for them. What a a privilege and an honor it is to be invited to the wedding feast of Christ and his bride, the church. And this is a message that we cannot be indifferent to. If our response is anything but eagerness and excitement, we may be missing the point here. In the book of Revelation, it says this, it says, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of many peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It says, it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen bright and pure for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints it says and the angel said to me write this blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb the response of the guests we see here is that they're passionate they're overjoyed to be there hallelujah god reigns let us rejoice let us exalt let us give him glory This is the response from from people who have been redeemed. Is this our response to our God who has redeemed us? Or would we rather continue with our ordinary lives? Is the Christian life a delight or an inconvenience to you? This is something we need to evaluate for we see that indifference is a form of rejection to Jesus. So some will reject Jesus out of indifference. We see that others will reject Jesus out of hostility. So as the king sends out his servants a second time, it says, the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, I wonder if this is an expected response to sharing the gospel. Right, in our leadership development class this past Sunday, we talked about evangelism, and we spent a long time just looking at the book of Acts, What we see in the book is the advancement of the gospel. As as people share the good news of Jesus, as they invite others into his kingdom, people begin to believe. Yet what we also see is that it is not without persecution, right? Throughout the book, there are many examples of people sharing their faith or sharing their, their testimony of how Jesus is working in their lives, and the response often is that they are rejected, The message is not received, and they are often persecuted for it. Jesus himself tells us to expect this. He says, the one who hears you hears me, the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. So many will be hostile to the message of the gospel. One of the encouraging things that we see is that this doesn't hinder the spread of the gospel. Opposition to the gospel does not hinder the advancement of the gospel. We talked about this a little bit at our members gathering on Friday. And in Acts 4, there's a story about Peter and John as they share the gospel after they've healed someone. And some of the religious leaders, they they take them to court because they're upset with them sharing the gospel. They're upset that they're, they're sharing Jesus with these people. And in court, they, they face the rulers and they threaten them. They say, hey, you can go on your way, but do not share Jesus anymore. And in essence, what they're saying is, if, if you continue to, to share Jesus, you're going to be arrested, you may be beaten, you may lose your life. You're going to face consequences for this. And yet Peter and John, they say, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. We cannot help ourselves from sharing Jesus with people, inviting people into his kingdom, into the wedding feast of Christ and his bride. And what's fascinating is, is right after the release, they, they gather with the believers and, and they pray for boldness to continue to share. And it says this, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Many will be hostile to the invitation of Jesus to enter into his kingdom, and yet we see the gospel continues to advance despite hostility. So we see that some reject Jesus out of indifference, others reject Jesus out of hostility. What we also see in all of this is the heart of God. God is a patient God who continues to pursue his people. He calls out to those invited to come. When when there's no response again, he sends out his servants a second time to call them again. They say, the oxen, the fat calves have been slaughtered. The feast is ready. Come, enjoy. Come, celebrate with the king and his son. God is patient and he longs for you to come to him. Come and enjoy in the celebration. The celebration of Jesus redeeming his bride, the church, He has made her new through the blood of his own son. So what is your response to this invitation? Maybe you're here today and you're indifferent. Maybe you've come here week after week and maybe Christianity has lost its passion for you. I pray that you would hear this message once again and delight in it. Jesus came to earth to save sinners like you and I. He came to redeem a broken people and restore them to himself. And he did so by living the life that you should have lived, completely obedient to God the Father and dying the death that you should have died, facing the wrath of God for your sin. And God raised him to Life. He raised him from the dead and he puts the living spirit of Christ in those who put their faith in Jesus. The good news is that you don't have to work hard enough to earn God's favor. That's something that you could never do. But it is something that Jesus has done for you. And the debt of your sin has been paid for by Jesus Christ. All you have to do is come to him. Come to him. the wedding feast and accept his goodness turn from your indifference and I pray you would have a deep joy inside of you for Jesus if you find yourself indifferent rather than joyful I would invite you to to come talk to one of us today come talk to myself come talk to David come talk to any one of the the members of this church we would love to encourage you to find joy and satisfaction in, in Jesus and what he's done for you Maybe you're not indifferent. Maybe you're on the other side of things. Maybe you're here and you find yourself even hostile to Christianity. Maybe you've been hurt by the church and you reject Jesus because of it. Let me first say this. As we see God's character, God is patient. He is pursuing you and he longs for you to come to him. If that's you, I would invite you to accept the invitation of Jesus to come to him. I'll also say this. What we see from this parable is that God's patience will eventually run out. For those who continue in hostility towards the king and his servants, God has anger towards them, and his anger is severe. In in response to the hostile, it says this: says the king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. This is serious language. Right? Continuing to, to reject Jesus is a path to destruction. So let me invite you again, turn from that hostility. I would call you out of your angerness and, and bitterness that you may have towards the church. If you've been hurt, God calls us to forgive. And there may be things that, that need to be addressed, and I'm not claiming that any of this is easy by any means. But the path to the kingdom of God isn't through rejection and hostility towards Jesus and the church let me invite you today to, to reconcile today, if that is you. We look back at our text. We, we see that as the guests, they reject the, the invitation. What happens is the king invites others. So he goes out. He tells the servants to, to go out into the streets and invite as many as they can find. Right? God calls anyone who will come to him. All are invited to accept this invitation and it says this, it says, And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. Now you may have noticed something that sounded off there, right? It says, it's, it says both bad and good people were invited. And you might be thinking, why are bad people invited, right? Why, why would the king invite bad people? Isn't heaven supposed to be for good people? Let me just say this. There are many bad people in heaven. In fact, nearly all people in heaven are bad. Why is that? Because the invitation to enter isn't based on how good you are. It is based on accepting the goodness of God. What's the requirement for entering into the feast? It's that you come and accept the invitation. You come, you take God up on his gracious invitation that through Jesus your sins are forgiven. Your acceptance into the wedding feast isn't based on your own goodness, but on the goodness of God. Jesus did not die for good people. He died for sinners. He died for people who have hurt others. He died for people who lie. He died for people who steal. He died for people who cheat. He died for drug addicts, porn addicts, homosexuals, He didn't die for those who are good enough to get in. He died for those who admit that they're bad enough that they need saving. And so if you're trying to enter into God's kingdom by how good you've been, you're going about it the wrong way. There's never enough that you could do to enter into God's kingdom by your own good works. Because entry isn't based on whether we've been good or bad. It is based on acceptance of Jesus' goodness on our behalf. And so heaven is full of bad people, but it is full of of people who realize how bad they are and they put their faith in a good God. And an amazing thing happens when you do that. As you recognize your sin and your need for a savior and you put your faith in Jesus, your life begins to look more and more like his. You begin to turn from your sin and you become more transformed into the image of a good and loving savior, King Jesus we look at the the rest of this parable we see another kind of rejection We see um, uh, this this type of rejection looks a little bit different though we see the, the king as he notices the guests at the party so he comes in he sees all the guests there and what we see is something's off right one of the guests isn't like the rest he's he notices that one of the guests isn't dressed in wedding garments And what he says is this, he says, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he says nothing in response. He has nothing to say. And so the king tells his servants to remove him from the party. The man is kicked out into the darkness. It says, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what's going on here? The man comes to the wedding in outsider clothing, right? In other words... He has not changed. And in a similar way, his clothes reflect his actions. He has not changed. He is an unchanged man. He thinks he can come into a party without any change in his life. But the reality is, we cannot accept the invitation into God's kingdom without having a changed life. David Platt writes this. He says, this wedding guest did what many people do today. They profess Christ with their lives uh, uh, and show no evidence of saving faith. Church, when we put our faith in Jesus, our lives become transformed. They are changed. We cannot continue walking in the same old ways that we used to before knowing him. And this isn't about getting our lives together before we come to Jesus. No, this is as we put our faith in him, he changes us. Gives us a, he gives us radically different lives to love the things of God's kingdom rather than the king, kingdom of this world. And so if we come here week after week and we are unchanged by the message of Jesus, then we may need to reevaluate our motives for being here. Do we come expecting Jesus to change us? Or are we just like this man, expecting the benefits of the kingdom without any true change in our lives I want us to to honestly evaluate that today because the consequences of that are eternal. As we wrap up, what I want us to see is that we have all rejected God in one way or another. Maybe we've been indifferent to him. Maybe we've been hostile to him. Maybe we've been unwilling to change in some way we have all rejected him and we do not deserve to be invited into his kingdom. And yet if you are here today and you are hearing this, the invitation still stands. Come to Jesus. God has been patient with those who have rejected him. And this is what Isaiah says. It says he was um, despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. All of us have gone astray. We've all rejected Jesus. He was despised and rejected by us, and yet he took on our griefs, carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was nailed to the cross on our behalf. God laid on him our iniquity, and by his wounds we are healed. This is the God who invites us into the wedding feast. This is who the invitation is from. The one who is willing to die for us and take on our debt. So let us come to Jesus. Accept his invitation today. There's a celebration that awaits you. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the sermon from Renaissance Church. If you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more, please feel free to contact us by email at renaissance.mtlgmail.com or reach out to us on social media. It's our passion to love Jesus, love each other, and love our world.